Welcome to the Passionate Photographer Podcast with Steve Simon and Steve Attard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Passionate Photographer Podcast. Uh, my name is Steve Simon, and I'm with my friend Steve Attard. Hey, Steve. How are you doing? Hey. hey, Steve. Hey, everybody. I'm doing great on a beautiful, sunny day in Vancouver. It's a pouring rain kind of day here in New York City, so somehow our weather systems have reversed, but hey, that's okay. The plants need it, so got to rain sometime here. Um, so what you been up to, Steve? Uh, photographically, anything uh, going on with you? It's been getting uh, busier this time of year on the family photography side. I love shooting uh, summer sunsets uh, on the beach. Um, it's getting... Um, a bit harder to shoot in the middle of the day, right, with that harsh sun. Um, but I think with the rain stopping, I can get out a little bit more. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And yeah. uh, how about you? Uh, things are good. I guess a family photographer living in Vancouver has to deal with, particularly in the winter, uh, kind of a lot of... Uh, a lot of rainy, sort of not very great weather to, to be out and about uh, with the family. Is that right? Yeah. What do you do if uh, your photography includes shooting outdoors? I mean, street photography is, is similar. Um, I do shoot uh, family sessions sometimes in the rain. I have some favorite locations that include, you know, yawnings or uh, covered areas where I can keep dry, but most importantly, my clients can can keep dry. But throughout the winter, I shoot a lot inside people's homes, which is also nice. Um, but I do get busier this time of year. And I, I choose only to shoot uh, with natural light, primarily outdoors. So I kind of have to build my business around that. And then in winter times, I, I try to do other things. Yeah, I mean, for me as a street photographer, I mean, I love the rain. And, you know, as a, a former photojournalist, you know, weather would often be the story. So we'd have to go out and kind of document it uh, in some way. And I think that for me, some of my favorite images are made in kind of inclement weather. And like you, I basically look for a place that I can be covered and I could sort of photograph the misery in front of me, the people running and hopping over puddles and slipping in the snow and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, shooting. I also love I also love shooting from from, you know, inside the car and I'll turn off the windshield wipers and I'll let the the rain just kind of envelop the windshield and you get this very painterly kind of subject matter. Of course, I've sort of stopped. I'm not driving like that, but uh, it, it makes for some really, really nice images. It's actually a series that I'm, I'm kind of working on, but uh, yeah, photographically, no doubt, um, you know, chances are you're going to have better luck in a, on a rainy day than on, you know, the, the midday sun, so to speak. But um, anyway, yes, uh yeah, the, I mean, the, the sun is, is a hard one, and we're going to get a lot of, more of that this time of year. But uh, if you're shooting professionally, whether it's press photography or you know family photography or weddings, you have to 
you have to get out whether you like it or not. And so you develop your competences around it. And once you build your competences, you enjoy it more. The challenge is if you're shooting, you know, just for fun without too much discipline around it, then you might decide not to go out if it's raining or if it's cold. And that's going to limit your development as a photographer. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a... time, yeah, that's one of my, you know, one of the big benefits I've found from like beginning to do photography professionally is that it, it, it creates a situation where I'm forced to do better and therefore to improve and therefore to enjoy it more. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of my favorite street photographers, Saul Leiter, a lot of his images are shot, you know, in the comfort of his coffee shop through the window and the steamy and the condensation. And, you know, creatively, it, it makes for some, you know, whole new kind of visual world doing that. And, you know, you don't have to be uh, out in the rain with, with the rest of the people. I also find, too, having a bit of a zoom lens gives you more of an option to stay dry so that if you can't get exactly into position, the zoom is there. I mean, I, I love using the uh, straight focal length normally, but a zoom in those situations uh, is, is really good. Um, you know, speaking of uh, the family photography you do, and I think those of us that have, or those of the, you know, the masses that have listened to this podcast know that you're also uh, an accomplished street photographer. But uh, one of the questions I had for you was, and we've talked briefly in the past about this, but because you've sort of set up shop as this professional now where you're making an income through your family photography, um, and you've, you've spoken how it's affected you, but I wonder, you know, what's the, the biggest takeaway that uh, you've got since you started the business and, and basically how it overlays uh, into your sort of artistic pursuit as a street photographer? I mean, photography can always be artistic, whether it's family or, or the street. But I wondered, you know, what is it that you've learned that you're incorporating and using in your, your own when you're shooting for yourself? Yeah, um, for me, there. I mean, there are two main things, and uh, I've touched upon this before. But you know, first of all, I think street photography um, and the skills that I learned through you, Steve, and uh, working in your workshops and just learning from from you and, and other street photographers. But a lot of the things I learned from you, you know, work the scene, uh, chase the light, shoot volume. Those principles apply you can say to every genre, right? But especially I've seen uh, a much um, smoother transition between street photography and family photography because you got to capture the kids running around and you got to um, capture the people on the street. And the main point there is, I think the biggest lesson is don't stick to one genre because actually by trying your skills and implementing your principles in different genres it just makes you a much better in this case street photographer so whenever now i come back to street photography um just as a passion from from working in family photography i've seen an enormous improvement that i can never have predicted just because i'm applying the same principles and the same skills in a much more disciplined way and a much more rigorous way, a much more consistent way. And so I can carry those skills and competences over to my street photography. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, because I know that uh, when you've got a client and, uh, you know, you're working uh, to, to sort of satisfy the assignment, um, you kind of have to make it work. And I wondered, 
this probably never happens to you, but what what if or what when things aren't working so well? Have you had those experiences where, oh, man, things are just not really happening the way I'd like? Um, in those situations, uh, you know, maybe that's uncharted territory for you because, you know, obviously when you're doing your own work, you can sort of call it quits at any time, which is not a good idea. I think you should push yourself mm -hmm. regardless. But uh, have you had those experiences and, and, and how did you deal with them? Yes, my biggest fear, so to speak, going professional, and I'm sure a lot of people who think about this, you know, have the same concern is... Um, what if I can't put it off? You know, there's money on the line, there's contracts on the line, and there's overall, you know, client satisfaction. And in some cases, there are unique moments that never come come again. Like, I mean, in terms of weddings, there's, that's definitely the case. But even in terms of family, we do, you know, birthdays and um, special events. And just, you know, it's really hard for, for a, a mom to bring together, you know, the three kids or everybody <laughs> on a one one evening. So it's a big deal for, for the clients. And I have that responsibility responsibility and I'm humble to have that responsibility so um, there are two two parts of it uh, first uh, just basically I keep working it you know again the principle of work the scene try different angles left right high low um, try different um, backgrounds different lights so I, I work it really hard and I keep working it if I feel that I don't have it so I try to give myself enough time my sessions usually last around an hour but I would extend if I feel that I'm not getting it but generally and this is the second point because I market in a very open and honest way through Instagram as you know but I share my work a lot and my clients have a very a clear understanding of what my style is so I'm not trying to um, deliver something that's not natural to me and that I know I cannot do. I'm not promising something that I know I cannot deliver. I'm only showing my work in the most authentic way. And some of the work that I show, you know, it's not only my portfolio work. Or, you know, I don't, I don't share an image once a month and it's my best image of, you know, <laughs> yeah, the month. Yeah. I'm sharing pictures every day. And so when people book me, they have a very clear idea of what I do. And I just go out and do that. And, and so I'm not trying to fit into anybody's expectations. I'm just setting their own expectations about what I do. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good point. I mean, I think as photographers who are doing it professionally, I mean, you get what you put out there. So people are hiring you because of what they're seeing, you know, in terms of your portfolio or on, you know, on your website. And that's where their expectations are. And if you can over deliver that, uh, that's fantastic. But generally speaking, you know, I guess that when you have an hour with your client, you're going to salvage something that you know, they're going to appreciate. Have you ever sort of been on the edge where, oh my God, the, the kids were just completely melting down and things were definitely not working? Although maybe sometimes those are the best pictures. I don't know. Yeah, they are. What everybody has their comfort zone and you know so I don't do a lot of posing and I'm not very comfortable with posing especially posing kids because I believe kids should be just very natural but when it comes to some pictures like the family photo you know when everybody is uh, looking at the camera looking good 
Um, for me personally, that's the biggest challenge. Interesting mm -hmm. to see if the other, you know, photographers who have been through this find that as a challenge. Like for me, all the candid shots because of my street photography background uh, are easier. And um, but when it comes to just getting everybody, um, you know, and a family shot is required. So I do stress about, or I do stress out when it, just to be sure that I get that shot because that's one of the shots that everybody wants. It's like you know the first kiss in the wedding and. It's right. um, it, 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 so you again, but the principles remain the same. You know, it's like don't don't panic, uh, <laughs> and um, just be conscious of what you're getting, so that you could keep trying until you get it. I always tell my clients who are also wondering whether or not I'm getting it. Maybe it's a look on my face, <laughs> but it, it's it only takes a split second to get an expression. You know, and kids' expressions change so quickly that in, within 60 seconds, you could get every possible mood, right? Yeah. And so yeah. if you keep shooting and you shoot volume and you keep working it, you're, you're always going to get it. I don't think, I think it's a great fear uh, that people have getting into this and getting into any kind of photography professionally. But actually, if you follow those principles and if you shoot volume and you keep working it, you will always get it. Yeah, I, I think the fear definitely keeps you on your toes. It keeps you sort of pushing and wanting to sort of do better. And the fact is, you know, every bit of accumulated experience, uh, you know, is applied to that next job. And because even though you haven't been doing this type of photography professionally for a very long time, you've required a, an experience that allows you to kind of get what you need and it only gets better you know as your experience level goes up and it's true i think in a lot of photography from a journalistic perspective i mean access is everything and by access i mean once you get you know the gates to open and that is you know the kid stops crying and for three minutes they're happy and you're getting all your images in that three minutes once you have access to the place that you've been trying to photograph you know, you can do all your work in a very short time. It maybe took you a month to get access, so maybe the accumulated time is a month, but the shooting is very short. And you're right, you only need those split seconds. Out of curiosity, that family shot, better to do it sort of at the beginning or at the end, or there's no rule? Yeah, better. I, I think if there's any hard shot for you, um, for me, it's that po those post shots. Um, I'd say try and get them up front because if you know you got it, then you could go off and do other things. If you know you haven't quite got it, then you can try again later and you still have enough time to keep trying rather than leaving it for the end. I think also in general, the family shot is definitely good to attempt at the beginning for other reasons too. Like uh, right now I shoot a lot on the beach in summer and the, you know, the, the, the fashion and clothing situation deteriorates as the session goes by. <laughs> Um, and so everybody's still looking good, still a bit like, um, uh, still quite relaxed, you know, but like, it, it's a good time to do a post shot. Whereas the other shots where you need everybody to be like super relaxed and outgoing, they come a bit later when, when people begin to settle in. Yeah. And I guess I'm interested to, uh, because you mentioned access and you mentioned, you know, working a, a, a shoot, a session throughout the course of its time. I know you've got quite a few interesting shoots planned for this summer. Like I know you're going to the Coney Island parade again, which I had the opportunity to shoot with you in a workshop um, last year. Um, is, is there any particular approach you advise for a session? In, in this case, it would be a parade, but even, you know, for me, like sh shooting a family session or, or going to an event as a, as a street photographer, like how, how would you approach 
um, a, a period of time that you know that you need to you need, you know you need to get certain photos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coney Island is a is a great kind of uh, um, example of that because there's so much going on at any one time in Coney Island, and because we do the workshop to coincide with the parade, I mean, why not? It's just a little bit extra action going on. Um, it means that you know there's there's no shortage of visual material, and at the same time, you know that could be a blessing and a curse because I know. You know, earlier on, I was often overwhelmed when I go to a place where there's just so much happening. And, you know, we know that photography is such a great way to capture sort of the literal uh, depiction of what's in front of you. But I also know, and I think many of the viewers do too, that that's not necessarily going to translate into an interesting image. I mean, obviously, if when you point your camera at something interesting, it'll be interesting up to a point. You still then have to get in there and get close and connect with what's happening, and then your images keep adding stars, and ultimately, you know, you're looking for that five-star image. So, you know, for the Coney Island thing, um, we go way early because, you know, the Mermaid Parade is kind of a crazy parade with all kinds of interesting costumes, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, it's kind of an adults-only parade in the sense there's a lot of scantily clad people there. So it brings out uh, some very uh, interesting artists and people that want to express themselves uh, creatively through how they dress and the, the different floats. And, you know, we have kind of a backstage access pass. Anyone can purchase that pass, uh, which allows you to sort of photograph uh, arguably more interesting shots because it's, uh, you know, the parade itself is an event that's very much uh, choreographed and a parade is a parade. Um, in New York City, though, it's gotten more difficult to photograph uh, those kinds of events because of security. So we have the backstage access. And, you know, for the most part, we don't really uh, shoot the parade itself so much, probably because, you know, our access is somewhat limited. And to do your best work, you really need to, to have free reign to be able to move into the right positions. Um, you know, that's it. There's just so much going on. So, um if you're still there, uh, I'll just continue yeah. on to yeah. a little further. So after after you know that kind of shoot, we may photograph the parade, take a little break. But then there's Coney Island, which is this incredible place, and people that have been there understand it. I mean, the locals go there for the most part. It's the only real kind of free beach and ocean uh, within a half an hour of New York City. Uh, so it just brings people, families from all over. And uh, for those that are interested in photographing uh, life and people within it, um, it's just such an interesting place. There's all kinds of great characters there. There's the boardwalk. There's the beach. And then there's the 100-year-old, um, you know, arcade, Luna Park, yeah. with all the stuff going on. So, so there's a lot happening there. And mm -hmm. so then the question is, okay, well kind of where do you start? And I always say to people, um, you know, it's different for, for everyone. And, you know, as I, as my mantra of sort of finding a way to express yourself from a personal viewpoint. So you go there and you think you, you're attracted to certain things. Maybe you want to photograph the characters on the beach. You want to get the muscle guys, you know, sort of working out or, you know, the families, uh, enjoying themselves in the sand. Um, or the rides, or, or just sort of the fun, mm -hmm. or then maybe you're looking for sort of something that, uh, I'm always sort of suggesting you kind of, you know, go in a little bit and see if you can, um, you know, create a, a theme or a subset of what you're seeing at Coney Island, 
and peel the onion and go a little bit deeper. You might give yourself an assignment to photograph, you know, the characters on the boardwalk or sort of, you know, the teens, the the teenagers on dates. I mean, there's all kinds mm-hmm. of microchasms of things going on there. And if something, you know, you find interesting, I would sort of work on that as well as sort of look at the most visually interesting things for you and spend more time there rather than wandering, you know, serendipitously everywhere. Because in my experience, that investment of time often pays off in, in stronger images. Yes, and it's so overwhelming. Uh, I mean, it's great memories thinking about it again. And I I really enjoyed it. But part of it, because I felt it was such a challenge, it was so difficult, because they, it's almost like when it's when it when street photography seems easy, it actually gets more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, right. I mean, so any place. Weight. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I was just going to say that any place that, you know, on the surface looks like, oh, my God, this is like shooting fish in a barrel, you know, Times Square, very busy places. Um, can be the most challenging because you have to kind of find a focus and find a way to communicate what it is that makes this place, you know, what it feels like. And that is a, a challenging thing for a, a photographer. It's, uh, it's, it's not always an easy, it's, it's often a very difficult thing to do. Yes, and I think it's very difficult to, to learn from that if you're just going on your own and then you're just coming home and you're not sharing the images because these kind of situations can really teach you a lot about your interests and your preferences as a photographer and as a person especially in the workshop environment but even just with a small group of friends or community but one of the things um, that i love most about the workshop situation especially after the Coney Island parade is when everybody shares their images and you see that everybody was at the same event at the same time and we all started at the same point everybody gets completely different images and it's the fact that so you know we all bring our own lens to the lens and that's a reflection of so many things our own values and preferences but it's also what you learn about yourself and based on the feedback from other people and from yourself so it's you point out that hey oh hey steve you're shooting a lot of you know close-ups or you're shooting a lot of detail or you've got all these you're interested in all these white shots and sometimes you're the fish in the fishbowl and you don't realize these things about yourself but um when that feedback comes back to you and it could be in a workshop or it could be on instagram or wherever it's just a revelation about oh my god i do actually (laughs) my style that's my preference yeah yeah i think there's there's a lot to be gleaned and i know we've spoken about this before but there's a lot to learn from our own archives if we were to give it kind of a scrutinizing look and just see what it is we tend to do with the camera. I mean, the camera is, for many of us, a a form of therapy. It's a way to kind of be someone outside of ourselves to a certain degree. It gives us courage because we're behind the camera and we find ourselves in situations where normally we wouldn't be in. And that's part of the draw. For me, it is at least. And, yeah. and I think you're right. You know, you go to an event like that and the real learning happens when you see the variety of imagery that is produced. And when you see stuff that you go, wow, uh, I was there. I didn't quite see that. 
but you know what? I will next time. And mm-hmm. you, you take it and you steal it, but you're not because ultimately if it's something that you find, um, strong or, or worthwhile and you want to incorporate it into your, your own work, you know, you're never going to be able to do it exactly the way other, other person does, but you're going to take that idea and make it your own. And that's part of the learning process. And I think that's why, um, you know, that kind of group learning, the workshop type experience is so powerful in that, in that short, uh, span of time when you shoot, come back, look, and then particularly if you get a chance to go back again, where you can then incorporate that stuff that you just saw and, you know, use it in your own work. Um, there's an accelerated, uh, way to kind of move forward in your work. But even when you're not, I mean, that's where, that's why you really need to kind of, you know, post your stuff, get it out there, ask questions, get critique about it and, and, and listen and, and hear what people have to say, because you may have experienced that incredible event, but if you're not communicating that visually, uh, the question is why? And the question is, you know, how can you do it better the next time? Yes, and so I saw, Steve, you've been posting much more frequently on, on Instagram. I think you're posting at least one picture every day, which is fantastic. And I, I'm loving seeing a lot of uh, new work uh, from you. I'm also really um, enjoying um, your humor. <laughs> and um, and I love the variety. Um, I've been, you know regularly posting on Instagram, I was wondering what your um, feelings have been since you started posting every day and sharing your work so widely. I suppose it has, it's been a while since you've been sharing this quantity of work, you know, this consistently. And part of that is, well, now we have a platform that we can do that with, but uh, how, how does it feel? Uh, you know, it feels good. Uh, the reality is, you know, the time factor is the biggest thing. And, and I think that's one of the things I grapple with and I'm learning about. And even though I've been doing this a long time, I still need to kind of find ways to, to make things better in terms of using the time that I have to work. But the beauty of Instagram is it doesn't take a lot of time to, you know, post an image a day. And with the various uh, scheduling uh, apps that are out there, and I use one, uh, it allows me to sort of do things in advance. But at the same time, I like to keep it current. And, you know, now I'm kind of mixing it up. So when I have time, I'll sort of, you know, do a few in advance. Um, You know, the idea in a perfect world is I have this curated uh, portfolio of images on Instagram. Well, I'm going to have to leave that for another time because I don't really have the time to make that happen. Um, but being able to just, you know, post at will, generally speaking, and, uh, you know, get the feedback is, is kind of ni- nice. Um, the other thing, and we've talked about it before, is that, uh, you know, images and, and likes, and we talked about the fact that in Canada you can't see them anymore, but it, it can have an effect on you. So I, I really kind of ignore that aspect of it. I just post it and and really having fun with it. I mean, I, I think back to my beginnings in photography, and, and there was a book called The Joy of Photography by Kodak, a company that uh, some people might remember. And the joy of photography is what it's all about. That is the phrase, or the joy of photography is something I felt the moment I picked up that camera and 
generally speaking, it stays with me every time I pick up the camera. And and just being able to post to Instagram in a way uh, is, is bringing me back to that a little bit in that I'm just posting a picture, writing a little caption about it and throwing it out there knowing that, you know, some people are going to see it. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. You, you kind of want to share your visual point of view with the world. That's why we chose photography as a way to express ourselves. Yes, and I think I've been loving just seeing um, all these images from you. And it's not, it's not because I, I log in to see everybody's portfolio images. I actually want to see everybody's latest images and uh, real, authentic images, right? And um, the idea that okay, you don't think too much about it. You're posting. You're not trying to make it perfect. You're not thinking too much about the caption because it's coming out very naturally that's going to allow you to post more frequently and build your audience and engage with your audience but it's also going to build that relationship because it's real and authentic and you don't you don't need i mean i think you shouldn't want that perfectly curated feed because that's just not real i think some you know yeah. large yeah. photographers have that because they have somebody managing the account for them but it doesn't mean when i engage with that account then that i'm engaging with the with the photographer it's like yeah no I, to do exactly that. the things i worry about sometimes are exactly that i think to myself look i mean i'm doing it you know purely because you know i love photography and you know the love hate is the fact that when you you know make your living through photography um it requires that you kind of you know pay your mortgage off every month and all those kinds of things and with the shifting landscapes of the business it's pretty hard to 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 have that um you know security of you know the financial security in a business that's constantly changing i'll get like a big gig with nikon and you know that'll take the pressure off for a few months but when that doesn't happen you know suddenly i'm kind of oh i got to i got to keep keep this going so you know instagram i think for professionals has become a bit of a um uh, a way to to sort of put themselves out there and make money. So when I think about you know just putting something up without really kind of thinking of the repercussions, I think maybe that's not a good thing. But I'm happy to hear you say that you know the reality is, look, you know it's going to be what it is, and do the best you can and put it up there. And in the end, uh, it's like any workout is a good workout, you know, in terms of your health. So, you know, it's it's just a cumulative positive thing. Well, and yeah, I'd go, I mean, no, I'd go as far as saying this is the right workout um, because we're moving from a situation of mass media where you just push uh, curated content to a mass audience uh, to relationship marketing, so to speak, and conversational marketing. And so whatever you're selling, whatever business you're in, but as a photographer trying to make a living, it's not about trying to show everyone how great you are. Not that a photographer ever attempted to do that in history, <laughs> but it's right. about building relationships with people uh you know many photographers are selling you know very high value services you know workshops mentoring courses books whatever they're you know high value but some of them are high ticket and that's that's just doesn't it's never meant to be um promoted or communicated in a mass media kind of way it's about the relationships with the people and building your fans on a much deeper level and i think just like any relationship just like any human relationship it's built on trust and on sharing and on being authentic and 
putting your real self out there, you know, and and that builds trust. And and that's exactly what I've seen in my family photography business. I built the business exclusively or almost exclusively on Instagram, but it's really true just sharing um, sharing my authentic photos of, of my clients and also of my own family. And in that way, people got to know me and, and got to trust me. Uh, and so when the time came that they needed a photographer, whether it's for a session or for a workshop or for anything that, you know, they, they were already ready to trust me with that. And they already knew about me. So that's really a new, um, era for marketing. And I think as photographers, we, we, we have to move away from the idea of just sharing our curated work only. I think it's the same as, you know, a a big commercial brand, corporate brand is only sharing these like high, quality high production value advertisements and they don't resonate anymore with people people want um we all want something more authentic so it's it's something that's happening across the board yeah i I think maybe to to close up this uh, podcast i think there's a, a a kinship with the idea that in your own photographic pursuits the more personal you make it the more universal it becomes the more you can uh just be selfish about what you do with the camera and photograph what you love for the joy of it, that will be communicated uh, without you even trying in terms of the final images. People recognize that. People recognize um, you know, art that, that is meaningful to the artist. Now, it doesn't mean everyone's going to love it, but it means there's going to be a certain uh, uh, strength to the work amongst the people that do recognize that. And, you know, I think your message here in terms of the social media and Instagram is, is that authenticity is exactly, um, you know, what people uh, kind of uh, react to and, and, and what they're going to um, enjoy seeing. And, and it's going to be very different from them. And, and uh, rather than try and create something that, uh, is a something uh, rather than just express yourself, uh, as you say, is is maybe not not the right idea. That's absolutely it, and I think that's a great way to finish off the podcast because <laughs> you could forget absolutely everything else you know about technical, about um, anything related to photography, um, as long as you just try and pick up the camera and make it personal. Yeah, yeah. Because it, that, that's always engaged us as human beings, and it always will. Absolutely. So, Steve, um, if people want to sort of find you out there, um, if they're not in Vancouver, uh, where can they uh, catch up with you and see your work? Please come and say hi. Uh, primarily on Instagram, I have a street photography account and a family photography account. Uh, the best one to find is Steve Attard Photography with underscores in between. Uh, you can also find me at steveattard.com. Um, but please say hi. And I'm always excited and passionate to chat about these subjects with anybody anytime. Okay, but don't show up at your door, you're saying. I will not disclose my address, but I will uh, <laughs> disclose that I am in uh, beautiful Vancouver, BC, especially at this time of year. It is um, pretty nice. I am jealous. I am jealous. And if people want to uh, catch up with me, they could go to my hub, which is thepassionatephotographer.com. 
And it's a ever evolving uh, platform, and from it you'll be able to sort of see all the things that I do, from workshops to my new book, my new old book, and uh, stuff like that. So thepassionatephotographer.com. So that's it for now. Uh, I hope that you're going to uh, join us again on another edition of this Passionate Photographer podcast. We aim to do it on a monthly basis, but who knows? We might be able to uh, add an extra episode or two in the next little while. And until then, great shooting, everybody.